What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way to the end zone. I'll tell you what, that was a spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play! Off to the races! Some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben. What's going on? You ready to preview the six NFC home games, including Sunday night football, which is going to be better than Thursday night football. That would be the Bucks and the Saints. This is Fantasy Football Today on a Friday morning. Adam Azer and Jamie Eisenberg and Dave Richard here. Team name Tuesday on a Friday. War of Craycraft. Warm yep, Craig Thank you. <laughs> What's up, guys? Good morning. That's all you got? Oh, man. What a bad game. I always think of when I see his name, I think of you because you always say Craig Craig. Craig Craig, yeah. War of Craig Craig. <laughs> that would also that would also work. River River Craycraft, you know, cost Nick Mullins some fantasy points here. Yeah, um, so we'll talk about this game for a little bit, 34-17, but also, uh, you know, I look at the, the NFC home games, and I feel like we've got some good defenses. Like, uh, you, you got, you know, Tampa Bay, New Orleans. New Orleans pass defense is bad, but you got two good run defenses there. Detroit, are they a good defense? It's been kind of, I don't know, a little questionable. Giants and the football team, they're, those defenses have been pretty solid. Um, so, and then like Arizona and Miami, Miami especially. Miami, like I said, leading the NFL in, in yards per game. Pittsburgh, obviously, very good defense. So, eh, I don't know. A little observation there, Dave. You were complaining last week there was no good defense being played. Maybe the games we're going to preview today uh, ha- will have some. We'll find out. We sure will. All right, so let's uh, let's rock and roll with this game. The Packers dominated. This game uh, was ugly. 34-17, the final score. They did lose Jair Alexander, though, to a concussion in the first half, so I'm hoping that he can get back for their next game. Um, but And they were also without Kevin King. So they're, they've got Jacksonville next week. They probably don't need either of those guys. All right, Jamie, what are your big takeaways from Green Bay and San Francisco? Uh, I mean, San Francisco just, you know, feel bad for what they had to deal with. It's just, uh, you know, losing all of their guys whether due to injury or the COVID situation was, was totally unfortunate and they really should have moved the game back to do them a little bit of a favor. But in any event, based on what we saw, um, it's, uh, I, I will say this, I will be a little bit concerned about their rushing offense. Not that last night was a great example of what you should judge it by, but George Kittle is such a factor for their rushing attack and not having him there, I think is going to be a problem moving forward to where the heights can be. They'll still have obviously some good performances and clearly when they get Raheem Mostert back, it's a different story. But they they lost a big piece of their run blocking with Kittle not being out there. 
Right. They also didn't have Trent Williams or left tackle. Right. And yep. it would have been a horrible day for their running backs if McKinnon didn't score on the last play of the game. And Dave, you know, I was talking about this with Chris Towers on FFT and five. It was like, I, you know, I'm glad people didn't ask for too much advice of me in this game because I started Trent Taylor in a league um, and I got the wrong wide receiver. I started Jordan Reed in a league. I got the wrong tight end. I started Jermichael Hasty in a league. I got the wrong running back. If everything was flipped for uh, San Francisco, did I do something wrong or was this just kind of weird and unpredictable? I, I wonder if I wonder if if the 49ers had flipped these things, they might have been able to stay in the game a little bit longer. If they had run hasty a little bit more and not leaned so heavily on the arm of Nick Mullins, then maybe they would have been a little more competitive in the game, but they did find themselves down big pretty early on. And I think that kind of made them want to try and throw to get back in it. And the only guy that it was really working for was Richie James, who we knew going into the game that he had speed. We just didn't know how big of a role he would end up having. And he was the only guy that was catching. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Wasn't he questionable coming into the game? Something like that. So Mm -hmm. yeah. um, Look, Jordan Reed's first game back. There was talk about him being limited and that his snaps would, would be uh, not a, a complete, Thing. And so I was excited at first when he came back and then I kept lowering him and lowering him in my rankings and he fell outside of the top 12. And I, I did like hasty coming in, but we're not Kyle Shanahan and Shanahan obviously felt more comfortable using McKinnon more. And we knew that if they were trailing that hasty wouldn't play anyway. So I, a game that I thought would be more competitive in the first place, I thought the 49ers defense would have shown up a little bit better than they did. Um, it just, it, it forced Shanahan's hand to use McKinnon more, especially once it was like, you know, near halftime and they were just getting their butts whipped. That's just the way things go in fantasy. And it's tough because you use a lot of those guys read. And in your case, Adam Trent Taylor and hasty as <laughs> bi-week guys or yeah. injury replacement guys. And you almost, you almost could have just started the guy who was hurt and gotten the same result. It sucks. Yeah, pretty much. And then for the Packers, Jamie Marquez Valdez Scantling, two touchdowns. Also got a, had a drop in the first half. And yeah, when I when I saw that drop, I thought that's it. He's his night's done. Rogers isn't going to use him anymore. Yeah. Oops. He used him a little bit more. Yeah, two touchdowns. So Jamie, any interest in picking him up, or is it just going to be let's pick up Alan Lazard? I'd rather have Alan Lazard. I mean, you know, that's the the problem for these Valdez Scantling games is that you never pick pick the right one. Um, he's always going to be a better DFS play than a redraft play. But I mean, the one thing that you heard the broadcast say, and I'm sure this is the case, is that Aaron Rodgers said it's not a, a, a skill problem for him. It's a confidence problem for him. And so, you know, maybe this is a confidence booster. And, you know, look, it'd be great to see. He adds value to the Packers. He he certainly has the potential to be a decent fantasy receiver if he can hold on to the ball because then Rodgers would trust him and, and there'd be some more target opportunities. But the only sample size we have is week one when everybody was there. And he wasn't bad, <laughs> you know. So yeah, maybe that's good. maybe that's something that they they can use moving forward. And uh, you mentioned this about the defensive guys; they get Jacksonville next week, <laughs> you know. So yeah. mm-hmm. uh, if you are stuck, not a bad not a bad guy that you could uh, throw in and just kind of close your eyes and hope for a big play. It's the boom bust flex. He's exactly that, and he's had a lot of deep targets. Listen, he he went six straight games without even seventy yards, and and he didn't have a touchdown in any of them. So you know that the floor is pretty low. But he definitely had some deep targets in almost, I don't know about every game, but a lot of those games before this week. And then he had a deep touchdown on Thursday. So that's what he is. The floor is lava. Been waiting to say that about somebody. The floor is lava. God, my kids love that show. I've never seen it. Is it worth watching? Or is it a kid's show? I watched show? one episode with them. It's fun. It okay. is fun. 
I always wonder what happens when they fall into the lava, though. Where they go? They never show them. I have no. I don't. I I have no concept, basically. Um, all right, last thing on this game. Aaron Jones was only started in 31% of leagues, so you're probably sitting there. You sat Aaron Jones. You watched the opening drive, and you're so mad at yourself oh, for sitting Aaron yeah. Jones. And if I told you he was going to get 20 touches, but it happened to be a, a pretty bad game for him. 79 total yards, did have five catches. So at the end of the day, you might be happy you sat Aaron Jones. Funny how things worked out. Let's move on. Injuries, news, and notes. All right, Drew Brees has a shoulder injury. Michael Thomas was limited in practice. Drew Brees says he's going to play. I'm sure he's going to play. But people seem a little bit concerned about this shoulder thing. Uh, We're going to preview. That's the first game we're going to preview. But, Dave, are we basically going to be confident in the passing game of the Saints? When it comes to Michael Thomas, sure. But that's just more... Michael Thomas is back. You start him because you know what his potential is than anything else. And you know what to do with Jared Cook and Alvin Kamara is part of that passing game too. It's funny though. He's got all of his pass catchers back. Theoretically. We don't know for sure that that's going to be the case. And we're still not sure if breeze is like a must start quarterback. Maybe Jamie feels differently. I don't know, no, but I not. don't have him. I don't have him in a top 12 spot this week. And he had been putting up some pretty darn good numbers given that he didn't have Michael Thomas for pretty much the entire season. So uh, it, it's funny how things work out, but I think I think being on the road for the second week in a row on natural grass against another tough defense for the second week in a row is going to catch up with Drew Brees. He's got a shoulder injury too. I mean, that's not that's not something to overlook for a guy that, you know, is, is clearly uh, at an advanced age for an NFL player. You know, so um, he played this team once already in week one. He had 18 fantasy points. So, the, you know, there's a sample size with everybody healthy because Michael Thomas got hurt at the end of the game. So take that into consideration. Uh, like Dave said, this was his first good game outdoors last week. Prior to that, he was at 19 points and 16 points in his previous two outdoor games. We know it's typically a, a struggle for him. So I wouldn't be surprised if he's around 20 points, like in that Tannehill range, you know, a guy that's going to be a low end starting option for you. Um, but I'm not thrilled to start Drew Brees this week. The reason I'm intrigued by Breeze rest of season, just rest of season, is like, I know he's not throwing the ball downfield at all, but he typically does. And I, it's, and I know it's even more extreme this year. He's seventh in the NFL in passer rating. He, of course, is leading the NFL in completion rate. So, I, you know, I think people kind of wrote... That's without him. Thomas. That's without Thomas. That's without Emmanuel Sanders for a lot of it, too. That's without Jared Cook for one game. Uh, I don't know. Well, I, Sanders I, just two games. Uh, okay, fine. Uh, yeah. But, you know, that's still with missing, missing key pieces. Mm-hmm. Hasn't... You know, he's he's played well. I, I think, you know, a lot of times people like to write off old players and really criticize them. I, I thought it was a little harsh for Drew Brees. And he's having a nice season. And really, I think, honestly, Alvin Kamara is really boosting his numbers. Yes, <laughs> but, of course. But that's going to continue to happen. Right. I mean, it's hard to criticize 29, 19, 23, 27, 23. Right. Which is yes. fantasy and it's, points. It, it, it's, you can't knock a guy for having great players around him. Right. <laughs> you know, so. Sure. <laughs> uh, Chris Godwin was limited in practice. Are, are you ranking him? Not yet. Nah, but no, but right. it sounds like he's going to play. Wow. Yeah. Pumped about this game. Not, not so good for Mike Evans, I don't think. Oh, fast forward to stat of the game. In four games with Chris Godwin, I said this on Twitch, I think. Yeah. Mike Evans has six catches, 51 yards, three touchdowns, of course. He has 12 targets. He has 12 targets in four games with Chris Godwin. Now you've got Antonio Brown in the mix. Crazy. Wow. Okay, uh, I'm going to fire through the rest of the notes here. You give me a quick reaction. Jamie, Ezekiel Elliott has a hamstring injury. Yay. (laughs) That'll help things. Is he going to fall out of your top 20? 
Not I'm, yet. But I'm thinking close. about it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Sam Darnold and Jamison Crowder mispractice. They are playing Monday. They have an extra day. Chris Carson and Carlos Hyde mispractice. What are we you thinking? You thought last night's game was bad. Wait till you get oh. it Monday. <laughs> oh, man. That, yeah, that game at least has a chance to be, you know, 15 no. to 14 or something like that. I don't know how that, yeah, five field Hope you goals. like punts. I love punts. Uh, what do you think and about running quarterbacks? What do you think about the Seahawks backfield? Because we previewed this game yesterday. Do you think Travis Homer will take on a bigger role? What's the what's the latest there? Yeah. I, I if Homer plays, I can't imagine he won't play in passing downs. He's the better option compared to DJ Dallas in that situation. You'll see a split. Uh, okay, as of right now, you go in Zeke or DJ Dallas? Dallas. Oh, I could be talked into Dallas pretty easily here. Mm, you know what else? Dallas barbecue in New York City. Just thought about that. We talked into that. I don't know. I don't know why. Very hungry. Kansas City. A lot of COVID news. Oh, first I got this Josh Jacobs news. He has an illness and a knee issue. They promoted Theo Riddick from the practice squad. Are we picking up Devontae Booker or something like that? Or are we assuming Jacobs is going to play? I keep an eye on it today, but it's not a bad idea if you want to be ahead of it to pick up Devontae Booker now, just in case. But uh, they're going to use probably all three guys if there's no Josh Jacobs. With Riddick being clearly the distant third, but still. Right. Kansas. Oh, so here's all the COVID news. First of all, if you were worried about Christian McCaffrey, his matchup just got easier. Chris Jones on the reserve COVID list. By the way, we don't know for a fact that McCaffrey's going to play, but it seems that way. Chris Jones is going to be out for Kansas City, their star defensive tackle. Houston put three linebackers on the reserve COVID list. One of them tested positive. Maybe two of them can come back. They're at Jacksonville. So that's three linebackers. Baltimore's got Matthew uh, Marlon Humphrey out, and then you got four linebackers, five linebackers, two defensive backs. Baltimore's got a ton of players on the reserve COVID list. They got one of them back in practice yesterday, and it was maybe one of their best ones, Matt Judon. Okay, that's good. He's been cleared, but Patrick Queen is still on there, Tyus Bowser, LJ Fort. uh, I think their rookie linebacker is on there, and a safety is on there. But they could all, all of them could be cleared on Saturday to play on Sunday. The only one who's definitely not playing is Marlon Humphrey, who's their best corner. Arizona linebacker Devon Kennard, cornerback Byron Murphy, they are on the reserve COVID list. Trent Brown, for the second time in less than two weeks, he's had a rough go of it, Trent Brown, right tackle for the Raiders. He's on the COVID list. Same with Chicago guard Cody Whitehair. Tim Patrick was limited in practice. We're going to preview that game, but keep an eye on him, uh, maybe even in DFS at Atlanta. Devontae Freeman was limited in practice, and Freeman got 19 touches in two straight games before his injury. But with the way they used the running backs last week, with the way Wayne Gallman has actually been kind of effective, do you think there would be more of a split in the Giants' backfield, Jamie, if, if Freeman does play this week? No, I would anticipate him getting closer to the 19 total touches. Probably 15 You know, would be a, a better number, but... Uh... He'll still be the lead guy. I can't imagine that he's going to lose to Wayne Gallman, who hasn't run well, to Alfred Morris, who's probably going to be back on the practice squad or cut. And then Deion Lewis, you know, he'll still probably have his still his limited role in the passing game. T.Y. Hilton mispracticed. Jonathan Taylor practiced in full. Mark Ingram's probably not going to play. John Brown practiced in full. That's good news. Matt Breida mispracticed. Anyone interested in Jordan Howard? Uh, am I desperate for a running back? Yeah, deep leagues. He's he's going to probably get the most carries, but it's not a good matchup. And if they're chasing points, it's probably going to be Patrick Laird or Lynn Bowden. Philip Lindsay was limited in practice. Sony Michelle. Sony Michelle practiced. Probably not going to play this week or what? I don't know if he's eligible to. 
I think he's I, he's missed three games already. So did they he? move him from that? This is what I didn't understand because he was originally on the IR for his injury, whatever injury, knee or, or ankle. I don't remember what it was. And then they put him on the COVID list. I think they so removed him. I think they removed him from the COVID list last week. Right. And they activated him from IR this week. The, his 21 day window has begun. Okay. So I think he's eligible to play this week. And so uh, just it, when we get get a chance to use Damian Harris, right? If right. Sony Michelle were to play. Yeah, what would that mean for Damian Harris, who I think we're all fairly fairly excited about? I'm way excited about it. Um, I would I would be nervous. I, I can't say that Harris will get 55 percent of the touch share among running backs like he has the past two weeks if Sony Michelle's there. But I also don't think Sony Michelle's going to come in and just completely wipe Harris off the field. He's probably be more of like a risky number two fantasy running back. Okay, a couple more notes here. There's a proposal to expand the NFL playoffs to 16 teams this year instead of 14 teams. That would be interesting. And Ryan Fitzpatrick wore the shortest shorts I've ever seen to practice (laughs) to honor Isaiah Ford, who was traded. I guess he really liked him, and Isaiah Ford used to wear extremely short shorts, but I guess it just looked funnier on Ryan Fitzpatrick, and people were weirded out by it. It was pretty funny. Uh, Watch CBS When asked about his shorts, he said they're too short. (laughs) Nice. You have been really uh, a lot this year. I'm enjoying it. So uh, watch HQ. All right, CBS Sports HQ, Monday through Friday, noon Eastern, Sunday, 10 a.m. Eastern. You got starter sit. You got prop bets. You got just a lot of fun talking football with uh, with the best and the best in the industry. So download the CBS Sports HQ app, and you can watch the noon show on demand on the CBS Sports app on OTT devices. You go to the CBS Sports app on your smart TV, scroll down and st- until you see the familiar faces of fantasy football today. Um, you know what's and, really cool? Yeah. On Tuesday, we have a big surprise for everybody. Oh. What is it? Very big on CBS Sports HQ. Huge. It's a surprise. Yeah, okay. Adam. All right, well, I'd like Huge. to know. We're not going to tell you. I don't even know what it is. Yeah. So on Sunday, we have... FFT and five, it drops at 8.30 a.m. It's very helpful, I think. (laughs) HQ from 10 to 1, Twitch noon Eastern, and Home Team Watch Party presented by Lowe's. If you want an excuse to watch the Steelers-Cowboys game, how about coming and hanging out with us? We're going to watch it together uh, on Twitch, twitch.com slash today, 4 p.m. Eastern, and we'll have Bryant McFadden on, and we'll have Will Brinson and Honor Dofino, and we always have fun on the watch party, so we'll see you there. Let's beat... The waiver wire. Alan Lazard. Oh, it's too late. Sorry about that. Yeah, no, it's too late. Well, some other leagues. Baker Mayfield against Houston. I know you have Mahomes on by next week. Forgot the other buys. But uh, let me me look those up. Um, You've got uh, Kansas City, Dallas, Atlanta, and the Jets. I can't use the Cowboys (laughs) or the Jets, Jamie. (laughs) Tough week. Uh, so you got Baker Mayfield against Houston, Nick Foles against Minnesota. If anybody drops Jared Goff, he's got Seattle. So that would be nice. I put Richard Higgins on here. I don't know if anybody has faith in him, but yeah. Dallas Goddard. I do. Absolutely. Okay. Dallas Goddard is obvious, uh, 62% rostered. DSTs. You want to stash some DSTs right now? The Eagles at the Giants. The Lions against Washington. The Chargers at Miami. I think the Eagles will be quite popular. And they're on a bye this week, so I don't think people are holding them. J.D. McKissick. I'm kind of interested in talking about him when we talk about the Giants game, but he's at Detroit. They're bad against pass-catching running backs. So are the Giants. 
That's why, yeah, that's why I talked about them on the yeah. uh, about him on the waiver wire show. Uh, Tim Patrick at Las Vegas, John Brown at Arizona next week, and the Saints DST is another game. one. Oh yeah, nice. Saints DST against San Francisco is another one. So uh, there you go. The three games that we're going to talk about last, in case you run out of time, are Pittsburgh, Dallas, Denver, Atlanta, and Miami, Arizona. So why don't we do this? Um, Pittsburgh wide receivers, what are your thoughts? Juju's a start. Deontay Johnson is at best a flex, so is Claypool. I'd rather have Claypool than Deontay Johnson. I would go Claypool one, Juju two, and Deontay Johnson three. (laughs) Yeah. Is there like a rhyme or reason behind the way you guys rank the Steelers wide receivers? I just no, I but think they're probably all going to be disappointments this week. Why? One guy will be great because the, I mean Ben's probably not going to throw very much because they're going to just demolish them defensively, and you could run all over the Cowboys. So I don't think it's going to be a huge game for them. It could be like what you had from Rodgers in the first half against the 49ers, where he's under <laughs> okay. 200 yards and three touchdowns. But I don't think it's going to be a big yardage game for any of those guys. No, it's three straight quarterbacks who haven't thrown for 200 yards against the Cowboys. It's like six that have been 225 or less. Five, for sure. But the good news is they are giving up the fifth most yards per catch to wide receivers, the second most touchdowns per game to wide receivers, so you don't need a ton. But it's tough to split 200 yards three ways, I suppose. They're all in play. So you, if you have them on your team, you can feel somewhat confident in playing them. But if you want a good representation of what their numbers are, Look at our projections because our projections are extremely low for them given the matchup. It's amazing because Dallas thinks Dallas is not a good defense, got not good defensively. They have played better of late because they're getting some guys back, but it's just their defense for the Steelers is going to potentially score, keep them in, in minimal production. This isn't going to be a back and forth type of game. This is going to be a bludgeon game of the Steelers doing whatever they need to do defensively. And I just don't see Ben having a, a huge volume. So that limits the upside for those three guys. How about the Cowboys wide receivers? No, thank you. No. Would you start all three Steelers over all three yes. Cowboys? Okay. How about um, Ezekiel Elliott, I guess, could could be around 20 or so at the end of the week. I mean, it's... It's, it's, it's easy to make the argument against him. Yeah. He's got 14 non-PPR points total in his past three games. His offensive line stinks. He's running into an incredible Steelers defense. He's not getting the work that we were hoping that he would get. And now he's hurt on top of it. Why yeah. are we starting him? Why? And What's the because it. you're because you're scared of missing out on 100 yards and a touchdown from a guy you took in the first round. Take a long look at your other running backs. How is he going to get to 100? Really yards? make sure he does not make explosive plays anymore. It's just I'm sorry. It has to be said. The the elite running backs in the NFL they can break off explosive plays. Ezekiel Elliott has not been doing that going back to all of last year. Uh, I'm not trying to sit here and say Ezekiel Elliott's bad, but he's just different. He's just a different type of running back and like you could say oh Saquon Barkley could always break off a 60 yard touchdown run Alvin Kamara obviously Christian McCaffrey obviously Dalvin Cook um, it's just not happening for Zeke the allure of Ezekiel Elliott has always been the offensive line he's a great player behind an amazing offensive line when they're healthy and that line is gone Zach Martin is a stud he is one of the best guards in football still I would still take him if you tell me I'm starting a team right now he'd be among the first selections of offensive linemen but he can't do it by himself. And so they tried last week. You heard the broadcast. He was just running behind Zach Martin on every play. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it, it, it was working a little bit. But, I mean, teams are going to figure that out. Certainly the Steelers have the personnel to stop that. And so the problem, I think, for Zeke, and I just don't understand it, is why they're not throwing the ball. 
it's an easy play for your quarterback. And so yeah. that was why he was still putting up decent numbers before Dak got hurt and the first game after Dak got hurt. But it's just been non-existent the last two weeks. I don't get it. All right, let's go to the start on meter now for Atlanta and Denver. Uh, Drew Locke. Low-end starter. <clears throat> Denver running back if Lindsey plays. Flex the best. Higher than five. Higher than Zeke? No. Okay. Uh, no. Jerry Judy. Four. I like him if there's no Tim Patrick. If there's Tim Patrick, I would downgrade him a little bit. All right. How about Tim Patrick or Jerry Judy if Patrick plays? Patrick. I'll go with Judy right now because I think there's a little rapport developing with Drew Locke and Jerry Judy is always open. <laughs> he is open on every play. Matt Ryan. Uh, well, we like Noah Fant. Dave's, I think, a little lower on Noah Fant. We'll talk about that, but he's a starter. Matt Ryan. You can start him. Uh, like low end starter, better than Locke, but much oh, better yes. if Calvin Ridley plays. Right. Yeah. I mean, you start him if Ridley plays. If Ridley doesn't play, that's a little bit more interesting. Ryan or Ben right. if, if Ridley misses the game? I will still take Ryan over Ben. I'll take Ben. Russell Gage if Ridley's out. Uh, Three. Russell Gage playing. Right. Got a shoulder injury. Okay. Well, um, if he plays, no, I don't have much interest. I mean, he's just been blah. Uh, Hayden Hurst. They're Seven. great against. Yeah, they, they really are. This is a tough matchup. It's it's yeah. crazy how good they are. No, they've turned out to be very good against them. They stunk in week one, but ever since then they've been a little bit better. Uh, but Hurst is safe for five for fifty. Always gets end zone looks. Okay, how about go to Arizona and Miami? I think Christian Kirk is a tough call this week. What do you guys think? I like him a lot. I just I'll, I'll ride the hot hand. I think it's going to be a game where the Cardinals are able to expose the Dolphins defense a little bit. It's a very good defense. They've been fantastic. Number one scoring defense in the NFL. But I think it's going to be a game where Kyler Murray, because he moves, extends the play. Uh, Christian Kirk's, you know, certainly developing a nice rapport with him. And so I'll still start him as a low end number two guy. Same. I, I think that that's the best way to put it is that he's a low end number two receiver. I'm hoping that this is one of those games where he gets five catches like he has in two of his past three. What about just to illustrate just to illustrate how good the Broncos are against tight ends? They they got Gronk at the time that he was starting to pick things up, six for forty eight on seven targets. Then after that, it was Travis Kelsey in week seven in the snow for what it's worth, three for thirty one on three targets, and then Hunter Henry four for thirty three on four targets, and plus Ebron in week two. I guess if you want to fact find him. Yeah, and all 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 John who did was catch a touchdown. He didn't have a big game. Four for thirty six. Yeah. Okay, well, I, four for thirty six and a touchdown is like top five for a tight end in fantasy this year. Yeah, no, it's that would be good, but you know you need the touchdown. Okay, and then finally, Devontae Parker or really any Dolphin. Not, I'm not particularly interested. I know the matchup might be better if Byron Murphy doesn't play if he stays on the COVID list, but I, I'm, I'm nervous. I'm nervous about trusting any of them. You got to see more from Tua. I, I really hope, honestly, that. This is a game where the Cardinals, especially Chase Edmonds, they build the lead and the Dolphins are chasing points and we get to see Tua have to open things up. Sure. You know, like just just to see, you know, you want to see what what this could mean for. And that could be a good game for Parker. Could be a good game for Preston Williams. Could be a good game for Gusecki. And Gusecki may benefit the most without Isaiah Ford there because now he's essentially their their top slot guy. So, you know, I'd like to see all three of those guys step up and play well. And then, you know what the running back situation is. There's going to be now two weeks after this, but three weeks in total where definitely there's no Miles Gaskin. So whether it's 
Matt Breida out there playing or Jordan Howard doing something or maybe Patrick Laird. You know, you'd like to see something from one of these guys to say, okay, now I can pick somebody up for the next two games. All right, let's go. Here we go. New Orleans at Tampa Bay Sunday night. So the stat of the game is the, this was kind of weird, but the Saints have allowed a touchdown to a tight end in five of six games. So are you at all concerned about Rob Gronkowski now with the full complement of wide receivers? None. You're going to start Gronk anyway. It wouldn't be a surprise if his target share went down. Yeah, and I have to point out, yes, they are giving up touchdowns, but recently TJ Hawkinson had nine yards. Hunter Henry had 23 yards. Jimmy Graham had 13 yards. So they're getting better against tight ends, but still giving up some touchdowns. That would be the New Orleans Saints. First meeting was week one. It was a 34-23 win for the Saints. Kind of an ugly game. Uh, starting with Drew Brees. So we just talked about like Matt Ryan and Ben Roethlisberger and Drew Locke. Kind of in the low-end starter discussion here. Where's Drew Brees compared to those guys? Jamie. He's ahead of uh, those guys. So, you know, especially if he gets his guys back um, with Thomas joining Sanders. So uh, I, I don't think he's going to have a huge game, but I don't think he's going to stink. So you have Is he a safer start than Big Ben if he gets his guys back? That's the, uh, Right now, I've got Ben ahead of Breeze, but I'm not ranking Thomas because it's not official yet. I think Ben is safer. I think Breeze has a higher ceiling because he'll throw more. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, and you guys are both taking Breeze over Locke. Yeah, yes. but I mean, just keep an eye on the practice board. If he doesn't practice on Sunday, um, excuse me, on uh, Friday for Breeze, uh, <laughs> go pick up Jameis in two quarterback weeks. Can you imagine? Can Jameis going back to Tampa? <laughs> that would be fun. Uh, we're a lot start, of interceptions for the Bucks defense. We're going to start Alvin Kamara. He's good. Great run defense. Kamara might struggle there like he did in week one. 12 carries for 16 yards and a touchdown, but he also had five catches for 55 yards and a touchdown. Michael Thomas, if he plays, we'll start him. Now, what about the other Saints? What about Emmanuel Sanders, basically? What are you thinking about him? He'll be I'm a low-end number three guy. I mean, yeah. in the first game, with it's the only game you have with him and Thomas on the field together. And it was uh, three catches for 15 yards and a touchdown on five targets. Now, I think he'll be better than that. Yeah, can we, can we, shouldn't we just eliminate that? Because they, I mean, he really had no offseason with them, right? Like, totally agree. Things are different but it's now. The, it's the only, it's the only game we have where Thomas and Sanders were on the field together. So mm-hmm. it just happens to be the same game against a good secondary, you know, so I think you got to downgrade Sanders from what he was clearly because now Michael Thomas is going to play. So I, I'm, I'd, I'd still be a little bit concerned about Sanders. You know, that's something you got to factor in because where if you're Drew Brees, your first read is obviously going to be Thomas. And then you got to factor in Cook and Kamara. So I think Sanders is going to be in the five to seven target range at best. I mean, that's typically what the second receiver has been. Can he have success on those targets? Maybe. He had at least nine targets in his last two games. There's no way he's getting that high. I, I think Unless Thomas is the decoy. Is the wheelhouse. Unless Thomas is the decoy. Or we That'd just have weird, a shootout. Though, they're waiting all this long to bring him back, and then they bring him back, they're not going to throw him the football? That would, that would make no sense. No, I, yeah, if he gets nine targets, if Sanders gets nine targets, probably means we got a lot of points and a very fun Sunday night game. Um, by the way, the spread is five point, uh, four and a half points. Tampa Bay is a favorite. And the total, 50 and a half points right now. So, that, you know, that's not like a super high total. Like, for example, Buffalo-Seattle is 55 points because these teams can play some defense, particularly against the run. Uh, all right, so would you start Emmanuel Sanders? If Michael Thomas plays, would you start Emmanuel Sanders over any of the Bucks wide receivers? No. no. Okay. So how would you rank the... Scott Miller. Yeah. <laughs> right. How right. would you rank the five relevant wide receivers in this game? 
Let's assuming Thomas is in. And Godwin's in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would go Godwin one, Thomas two, um, Evans three, Antonio Brown four, Sanders five. Thomas, Godwin, Brown, Evans, Sanders. Mm, interesting. Okay, so Jamie has Godwin over Thomas. Dave is the opposite. Jamie has Evans over Brown. Dave is the opposite. Would but you, we agree on Emmanuel Sanders. <laughs> would you start? Uh, would you start Antonio Brown over the Bucks running backs? Jones for sure. But what about Fournette? I'll still start Fournette. Yeah, I. Let me tell you. Though, I think I'll. I think I'll take the chance with Brown. It's such an interesting dynamic because if Godwin plays, Bruce Arians gets what he wants. He can limit Brown snaps. If Godwin doesn't play then Bruce Arians is probably forced to play Antonio Brown. Mm-hmm. So it's it's such a weird scenario at play because clearly Bruce Arians is not 100% on board with this to the level of Tom Brady's excitement level about this. So when Brown's on the field, I'm sure Tom Brady's looking at him as one of his top two reads. But how often is he going to be on the field, according to Bruce Arians? 10 snaps or, thir- or 10 plays? 35 is that, plays. Is that going to be Bruce's call or is that going to be Brady's call? That's Bruce's call. Personnel is going to be Bruce's call. Unless they're losing and Tom's like, I don't care what you say. He's playing. Right, right. Bruce likes to defer to his quarterbacks. That's been made clear through the years. I I got a feeling he's going to play way more than 10 snaps. 35 snaps. I think that was a number that came out of Bruce's mouth. 10 10 or 35. Right. Plays. Well, he said, is he going to play 10 plays? It's going to be 35 plays. It's like he just threw that number out. I think if Brown goes out there and he shows in the first quarter that he knows what he's doing, it's going to be easy to let him play the whole game. If he goes out there and he's making a mistake or two, I think Bruce will say he's just not ready yet. Right. We don't know. But we've also seen why we can't rush him into lineups. Right. And I see what you're saying, you know, about taking chances. I'm 100% correct. I I think Mm -hmm. if you if you have a three receiver league. And he's in the mix of somebody to play, play him because play him. it's his national TV game. This is Brady's, you know, not reputation clearly, but Brady's the one that put himself out there for this. And so there's an opportunity if Godwin's not there. Now, if Godwin's there, Adam, you just read off the numbers. Mike Evans has been left out when Chris Godwin's been on the field. Now you have Antonio Brown and Mike Evans on the field. Godwin is still going to be the top guy because of where he plays, how the plays are designed and what Tom Brady still likes to do, which is still throw it to the middle of the field. So, does he kick Scott Miller off the field in terms of Antonio Brown? Because they do need a downfield threat. Scott Miller's been that guy for them. He's been good, but I don't know if he's great. And so we'll find out where they put Antonio Brown. That's going to determine, I think, where Brady looks for him. So I don't think he's a must play. I still think the touchdown potential favors Mike Evans. So that's why I'll play Evans over Brown because you know he's going to be on the field. You know he's so, going to get red zone target. Well, you, you right. think he's going to get red zone targets. That's what he does. But, like, okay, so then if Godwin plays, would you be comfortable starting like Christian Kirk? Over, over Brown and and um, and Evans. I'm already starting Christian Kirk over Brown, so yes, that would still be the same, and I would start Christian Kirk over Evans. I think I would probably make the move of Kirk over Brown and Evans, but right now I've got Brown ahead of Kirk and Evans ahead of Kirk. What about like DJ Dallas versus Mike Evans? If there's no Chris Carson, yes, I'd play DJ Dallas. I think I would too. Okay. And Fournette, it's so funny that I do a podcast with two Hurricanes guys, and I'm the most excited about DJ Dallas. <laughs> well, what does that tell you about DJ Dallas, JB? I mean, I that watched you the guys guy got, that you that you had a coaching staff that misused him. No, oh, it, no, no, no. He was I, he was their was starting saying. running back. He was their workhorse running back. You know, I, I would 50, tell you, I would tell you this: yards on 23 touches last week. Honest to God, 
watching Travis Homer and DJ Dallas for their three years in Miami, Travis Homer, to me, was definitely a better running back. And that is why I was so nervous about Dallas last week and why I thought Homer was ahead of Dallas on the depth chart, you know, which is also why I was nervous about Dallas last week. So when Homer was active, I got scared off of Dallas, and I and then he was just a decoy. Homer wasn't healthy. So that's my thought going into the game. But we'll see. You know, I think Dallas was too heavy at Miami. I don't know if he's lost weight. He was, like, ripped. He was not looking like a running back. It was weird. So maybe he's maybe he's a different body type He's a now. former receiver, right? He was recruited as a receiver. He never really played receiver. In my, uh, maybe a little. Um, but, no, he was a running back. He returned kicks. But he was, like, jacked. Way too big and kind of slow. Uh, Leonard well, Fournette. All right, we're not starting. I looked on last week, too. Is that yeah? I mean, he was saved by touchdowns. He he caught a touchdown. It was a great play by Seattle. He had another short yardage touchdown. He almost had a third touchdown in the game. All right, but sorry. I, let me let me get back to Tampa the Bay inefficiency here. as a runner is pretty obvious with Dallas. Yes, much better matchup this week though. Obviously, okay. Tampa Bay. We're not. Nobody's excited about Ronald Jones. Let's let's face it. The Saints have a very good run defense here. Third fewest fantasy points allowed to running backs. However, they also are allowing the sixth fewest receiving yards per game to running backs. So that you would think would hurt Leonard Fournette. Um, DeAndre Swift has the most receiving yards against the Saints, and he has 30. You're talking Aaron Jones, Josh Jacobs, Justin Jackson, Mike Davis. They had 17 to 24 receiving yards. So what does that mean for Leonard Fournette this week? Low end number two running back in a shared situation. Not a great start, but a good enough start. Better in PPR for obvious reasons. And it's if all three of these receivers are healthy for Tampa, Saints can't load up the box to try and slow down Fournette. Now, it's a matter of Fournette doing his job because there were flashes of greatness on Monday, and then there were a lot of plays where he just did not look very good at all. He looked like the guy that we saw in Jacksonville for a lot of the years where he's just plummeting yeah. uh, into his offensive lineman. Fournette, I think, 13-yard carry on his first carry. Not really that much else after. All right, last I think question. I like one good carry after that one. Well, it wasn't longer than 13 yards. I know that. And that is, that'll tell you about that when we talk about the Giants mm. and the football team. Uh, for, uh, is Cook or, um, or Gronk? Dalvin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I've, got, I've got Gronk higher. I'll still take Gronk. All right. Four, four to five games with a touchdown catch for Jared Cook. He's top 10 in both formats. Gronkowski even higher than that. Detroit at Minnesota. Stat of the game. This is about DeAndre Swift. No running back, just like I said about the Saints, no running back is more than 29 receiving yards against Minnesota. Now, they haven't faced the toughest uh, competition when it comes to pass-catching running backs, but they've been pretty good here. So Jamal Williams and Chris Carson, for example, they both had six or seven targets, and neither of them had more than 27 yards. I think they both had exactly 27 yards. Meanwhile, DeAndre Swift, you look at his season, he had a 54-yard run. You take that run away, he's averaging 3.3 yards per carry on only 40 carries. I only bring that up because consistently, year after year, it's like seven years now, this team can't run the ball. So what are your expectations and your excitement level? What's your excitement level for DeAndre Swift this week at Minnesota? I think he's a good number two fantasy running back. But I think you got to give this almost an incomplete preview because it's so different if Chase Daniel starting versus Matthew Stafford. And we're not going to know that until probably Saturday night or Sunday morning. All right, so lay it out then, Jamie. Give me your thoughts on the on the Lions with and without Matthew Stafford. 
I mean, with Stafford, there's clearly an upgrade. <laughs> you know, that goes without saying. So I would feel much more comfortable about everybody if Stafford is there. Uh, Dave has some good numbers on what Chase Daniel can do for DeAndre Swift. Uh, so I'll let him handle that side of things. But if Stafford is is out there, I still would prefer it for everybody. So um, Swift is still a number two running back with or without Stafford. And then Marvin Jones is the one that benefits the most because I would be less inclined to trust Marvin Jones and TJ Hawkinson for that matter. But I'd still start Hawkinson based on his position. But I'd be much more inclined to uh, start Marvin Jones uh, as a top 20 guy if Matthew Stafford's out there. And Stafford would be a must-play. Hawkinson, hey, Hawkinson must-start. Huh? I'm sorry. I'm... Hawkinson's a must-start no matter what, right? Hawkinson's he's... a must-start no matter yes. what. He's a potential top-five guy with Stafford there, and he's more of a you know borderline top-ten guy with Stafford out. But there's just there, there aren't enough tight ends to reliably put ahead of Hawkinson either way. Right, okay, just, so... just to compare. Sorry, before you go, Dave. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I would start Hawkinson over both Gronk and Cook if Stafford plays. If Stafford's out, no way I would start him over those two guys. First things first on Swift. I know last week was a dud, but his snap rate went up again. He was at 62% in week eight. His touch rate also went up from 52 to 53%. So he's still getting the majority of the touches and the majority of the playing time among the Lions running backs. Hopefully that keeps up. Chase Daniel has five starts in his career. He's thrown seven touchdowns in those games. Two have been to running backs. The only 100-yard receiver that he's had as a starter was Tariq Cohen. He likes checking down. He is not a downfield thrower. He will lean on the running backs a little bit more. That's his tendency. I don't know if the Lions coaching staff is going to bring out the gunslinger in Chase Daniel. I'm going to say that I doubt that that happens. So I think it would be a little bit better for Swift if Daniel plays. And it might be better for Hawkinson, too. Just short area targets would favor. um, Those targets are favored by Daniel being there versus Stafford, who does have a tendency of looking downfield, whether Galladay is there or not. Swift is a number two fantasy running back either way. I'd be a little more encouraged if it's Chase Daniel. Swift or DJ? It's not to be Chase Daniel. It could be David Blau. That's true. We didn't even think about David Blau being the quarterback and what that means. And we saw Blau last year certainly attack downfield a little bit more than we thought he would. Call David Blau. That's my name. That's his name. That name again is David Blau. Uh, Swift or DJ Dallas? Dallas. Swift. Swift. Okay. Swift and PPR for me. Let's say Matthew Stafford plays. Swift or Marvin Jones? Jones. Swift. Jones or Antonio Brown? Jones, if Stafford plays, even if Godwin is out. So you'd be quite excited about Marvin Jones if Stafford Yeah, I was prior to this, uh, you know, report. I was too. I was too. I I think you can count on seven targets. And you might get seven targets with Blau as well. It's, it's, I feel like it'll be a little bit lower if it's Chase Daniel. Before he gets seven targets, he's, he's like a 50 50 shot to have a good fantasy game. That's what the track record's been for Marvin Jones. Before you say Marvin Hall, because I'm going to ask you who's your second favorite Detroit wide receiver. Don't forget, Danny, Danny Amendola did have seven targets in weeks one and two, both those games, without Kenny Galladay. So who's your favorite? Uh, who's your second favorite Detroit wide receiver? Oh, I don't with think... Stafford? Yes, with Go Stafford. Ahead, it would be Hall. And with Daniel? It would be no one. Okay. <laughs> right. Okay. I, I can't trust Amendola. All right, let's move on I wouldn't here. want to trust either one of them, but... I would I would just right. go based on what we saw last week where Hall had a decent opportunity. Marvin Hall is their version of Marquez Valdez Scantling. Uh what do you think about Kirk Cousins this week? I hope Matthew Stafford plays because then it's probably a more competitive game. 
And so then you have to see Kirk Cousins most likely throw. So last week was just an embarrassment of riches for Dalvin Cook. So they didn't have to throw, you know, 14 pass attempts for Kirk Cousins, which is low for any quarterback, including him. Um, You probably still figure he's around 25 to 28 pass attempts because that's what Minnesota wants to do. And that doesn't make Kirk Cousins appealing. But if the Lions defense can somehow manage to stop Dalvin Cook to whatever extent they stop Dalvin Cook, I would agree, but still, <laughs> I mean, their run defense has improved of late. Um, yeah, but Jared Davis is on the COVID list. Uh, yes, very true. That's a problem. But again, if, if it's – look, Dalvin Cook is not going to do what he did last week um, against the yes, defense. <laughs> so if it's a more competitive game with Stafford and they're chasing points, then Cousins is much more attractive. Okay, so how about Justin Jefferson? Because I think everybody's going to start Adam Thielen. The thing I want to say this about Adam Thielen, by the way. He has seven touchdown catches. He also has four games out of seven with 51 or fewer yards. Three games with 80 or more yards and four games with 51 or fewer yards. I wonder if we'd be thinking about him differently if he didn't have the touchdowns. That is what Adam Thielen does, though. He's he's really good. So I understand he's a must-start. What about Justin Jefferson? How confident are you in him? I think you should view him the same way you view the Steelers wide receivers, that there's so much upside. It is a good matchup. But if they don't throw, it's it's hard to say he's going to be great. So he's a borderline number two, number three wide receiver. I Again, I hope Stafford plays because then we can get that huge upside of what this game could potentially become. The, the truth is that his three big games came against Tennessee, where he had nine targets, Houston, only five targets, and then Atlanta, he had 11 targets. Everything else has been pretty blah for him. And he only has the two games with more than five targets, and that was Tennessee and Atlanta. Right, but the and three so, games, three of the four were prior to last week, and it was, I, I don't know how many times you heard me ask the question, Adam, to Scott Fish, <laughs> to anybody that we were talking to, um, about a kid from the South playing in the cold for the first time, and it was a miserable experience. Yeah, forget <laughs> last week. Last 14 pass attempts. That's for what I'm cousins. saying. Right, right, right. Forget you last know, week. So and Kirk was just running week. white hot. Right. I, I think Jefferson's a little risky, but probably still qualifying as a top 24 receiver. Okay, so DeAndre Swift or Justin Jefferson? Uh, I think I'd rather say Swift. Plays, I'll take Swift. Barely. Okay, sit the DSTs. We're going to take a quick break here. We'll talk about, oh, Herb Smith outside the top 20. But, uh, you know, worth keeping an eye on if you're just going to... Still stashable. Yeah, if you're just going to throw away last week, again, 14 pass attempts. But before that, two straight games with... I think five catches. So we're going to take a quick break here. When we come back, we're going to talk about the game that everybody is looking forward to. That's up next on Fantasy Football Today. (laughs) I know exactly what game it is. All right, we'll find out. No spoilers. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. People are buzzing about the Giants at Washington. Shocker. Here we go. You really right. should put that one on Sunday night to keep consistent with all these great primetime games for the last two weeks. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know what? I guarantee this game is very competitive. 
Last time it came down to a two-point conversion, a failed two-point conversion by Washington, which was a stupid call by Ron Rivera, by the way. You should not have gone for two there, Riverboat. Why? Okay, he was trying to win the game. Yeah, but the, trying to they were playing so much better than that. Forget it. No, it was a stupid call. They should have just gone no, to overtime. No, because if you win, you win. And if you lose, you get a better draft. That's That's true. If he was tanking, then it was a great decision. I assume we're not starting the quarterbacks in this game, although Daniel Jones has uh, two games in a row, I think with about 20 fantasy points. Um, He's running a lot, but yeah, okay, forget them. How about how the Giants wide receivers and the Washington running backs, to me, are the really interesting ones, I'm sure, to everybody. And then the tight ends. So let's talk. What do you want to start with, Dave? Giants wide receivers or Washington running backs? Let's start with the wide receivers. Okay. Why do I feel like Darius Slayton's going to have a good game? I, I don't know that it's justified. <laughs> and then Sterling Shepard in three healthy games, he has six, six, and eight catches. So he's pretty much a PPR solid floor. The floor is not lava. Talk to me about the Giants wide receivers. What are you doing? I, I like Shepard as a safe play in PPR, not as safe in non-PPR for obvious reasons. Uh, Slayton, I, I think the key to Washington's defense and the reason why they've only allowed three touchdowns to wideouts all year is because they play heavy zone defense. So they don't want to give up the big play. On the play where Slayton scored, obviously, was a deep touchdown throw. They played man coverage, and he, he just blew past Fabian Moreau. So my guess is that Washington will say, let's be really careful and judicious about how often we play man, and let's make sure we've got a solution for Slayton on those plays, i.e., they will play a lot of zone. That helps Shepard. That hurts Slayton. Because if they're playing zone, they're okay with Shepard catching a pass five yards away from the line of scrimmage and then tackling him. So do you like Shepard more? I do. Okay. In, okay. I, I, I have a hard time saying that in non-PPR. But in PPR, in half PPR, obvious. Shepard over Slayton. Are they number two, number three? Shepard in full PPR makes the cut as a top 24. I think he's top 24. But like low end. Right on that fence with the flex. Okay, and would you start um, would you start a Giants running back over a Giants wide receiver, guys? No. no. Yeah, Washington has a really good run defense, and the thing is, they also give up the third fewest points to wide receivers. But another reason why they do it, in addition to the coverage that Dave was talking about, they see the fewest wide receiver targets per game in the NFL. They don't have Landon Collins now either. This has been one of those things with like the Carolina defensive backs. Like, how are they doing so well? Well, I can tell you the, the football team, the teams just don't throw on them. Yet they have a good run defense. So it's just weird. I, I'm not quite sure how they're doing it. To finish the Giants here, Evan Ingram. How about this, Evan Ingram or Logan Thomas? Tom Ingram. Okay. Are they? They're close, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I think the Giants had a chance to get away from Evan Ingram last week. Instead, they gave him ten targets. And we would Golden Tate scenario is certainly interesting for all these guys because not that he's had a lot of targets, but you know, playing time essentially changes a little bit. Squeaky cricket. We wouldn't be for interested. Tate? Yeah, for Golden Tate. He wanted to be. He nah, said nah. they're just gonna squash him. Yeah, and it's it's not good. We're not gonna no. be interested in a Giants running back, I assume, right? Low end no. low interest? No, and I, I'm not optimistic about any of them even getting to like fifteen touches in the game. So going on to the Washington running backs. Yeah, look, it's six games in a row. A running back does not have a carry of more than 14 yards against the Giants. Antonio Gibson had a pretty bad game. Nine, makes me nervous, yeah. Yeah, nine carries, 30 yards, four catches, 25 yards. That's the saving grace with him. He's been good uh, catching the ball. People are off McKissick because he did nothing against the Cowboys. Well, I warned you about that. The Cowboys actually 
the football team, Washington and Dallas are the two best in terms of yards per game, receiving yards per game to running backs. But before that, was that? There's a difference. You can run on the Cowboys. Yeah. You can't run on Washington. But you can throw on the Cowboys, and people aren't really throwing that much on Washington. Uh, before that, though, McKissick had four, three straight games with six catches or more and 40 or more receiving yards. So, Jamie, yeah. Gibson or McKissick, PPR? I think you still got to start Gibson based on what his upside is because if both guys get similar touches, Gibson should be better. They're not going to get similar touches. Gibson's going to get more touches. So if they got similar catches, Gibson would be better. The problem is, and this was the game, because I remember I was having this conversation, and, and I don't want to speak for, for Dave, but this is why I think you were excited about McKissick going into the Cowboys game was because McKissick was coming off this game where he played more than Gibson against the Giants, and he had a better game statistically because of what he did catching the ball. And so it was is he becoming the more of the primary running back in terms of playing time? Um, but the Dallas game was more catered to what Gibson does. This game is more catered to what McKissick does. And so, you know, if they're down, which I don't know if that's necessarily going to be the case because the Giants offense doesn't always put up a lot of points, then it's probably not going to be a great game for McKissick. But when they were coming back in the game against the Giants, he was playing more and being, and he was more efficient and more effective. So I think he's a good flex in PPR. Uh, for those people who dropped him, I would go pick him up and, and potentially use him this week. So is he going to get, you know, north of 30 yards on the ground? Probably not. But can he get you six for 40? Probably so. It's a decent floor there for, for McKissick is 10 PPR points. They Ron Rivera talked glowingly about Gibson since that Cowboys game about how he's getting better on inside runs. And and, and how do they go, go away from him as they're primary running back after what he did against Dallas. Not to say that McKissick can't have a role, but the other thing that that Rivera said is that they need to get Gibson going in the passing game too. So I wonder if they start to, maybe it's going to be a little defined as McKissick is going to be that third down guy, but they could both still get three to five catches in the game and uh, and take advantage of, of the Giants defense when, when throwing to him because they are good against the run but they're not as good when throwing uh, against receivers or running backs. They're not as good against receive running backs when they're receivers. I finally got it out. There you go. Okay. You so understand what I'm saying. Ezekiel Elliott or Antonio Gibson? Still Zeke. I'm Zeke ahead as of now, but I could see myself changing to Gibson. Clyde Edwards, Eli or Gibson? Edwards, Eli. Yeah. Edwards Justin Eli. Jefferson or Antonio Gibson? Gibson. If you tell me Stafford's playing, it's closer, but I'll still take it. How about J.D. McKissick or Darius Slayton? Uh, I will Slayton. take McKissick in PPR, Slayton in non-PPR. I'm going to chase the upside with Slayton, just in case he gets one of those big plays. Slayton, the last two games with Shepard on the field, has not been anywhere close to the same guy. He's had much tougher coverage. No, but, but he was so close against Tampa Bay. He could have had a huge game against Tampa could Bay. Could have, but his quarterback right. thinks. It's quarter- yeah. Okay, uh, let's move on then. Logan Thomas is uh, Terry McLaurin's top 13 in both formats stardom. Logan Thomas is low for Heath, but Dave and Jamie have him 12th and 13th. He's got four targets in four straight games. You'd like to see more targets, but he did catch touchdown a touchdown. Or bust. Yeah, he caught a touchdown against the Giants. And both DSTs are worth using Washington better than the Giants, but both are top 12. Pittsburgh at Dallas. I already gave the stat of the game. It's basically, you know, we, we keep talking about it. Not a lot of passing yards against Dallas, but they're so bad that they still they give up the fifth most yards per catch, the third most fantasy points to opposing wide receivers while seeing the eighth fewest wide receiver targets per game. So it's just you don't have to get a lot of targets to be good against Dallas. Ben Roethlisberger is 
between 12 and 15 in the rankings. We did this earlier, but we'll do it again. Drew Locke or Ben Roethlisberger? Ben. ben. Matt Ryan or Ben Roethlisberger? Ryan. Jamie, did you answer? Yeah, Ben, but if Ridley plays, then it's Ryan. Okay. Start James Conner. He is going to have 400 yards. And we <laughs> If t- you're stuck, <laughs> Benny Snow. We talked about... We talked about the wide receivers a little bit earlier today uh, in the show during the during the startometer segment. But um, how about would you start Antonio Gibson over your favorite Steelers wide receiver? Yes. In non PPR, yes. In full PPR, I would definitely take Juju ahead of him. Would you start Devonte if Devonte Freeman starts? Would you start Devonte Freeman or Amari no. Cooper? None. No. No. <laughs> Cooper. I resigned from my fantasy league for one week. You don't seem to uh, want to I would, start I Cooper. I would take the chance with Cooper. You're talking about a guy who Jamie predicted about 15 touches for Devontae Freeman here, so let's not completely poo-poo it. Uh, would you start Jacoby Myers or Amari Cooper? Dave has them back-to-back, by the way. But Jamie, Jacoby Myers or Cooper? <laughs> no, still Cooper. More upset than him. All right. No, can't trust Lamb. Can't trust Gallup. It's too hard, yeah. So look, we get get another wild card. You know, we didn't know what Danucci would do, and now we don't know what Cooper Rush will do if he's the guy. So could be Gilbert. Yeah, we don't we don't even know which guy it'll be. Right. So could be good, could be terrible. Most likely terrible. Lamb snaps have been going down lately too, so that's not a good trend. What about what about uh, Eric Ebron? How does he compare to Logan Thomas and Evan Ingram? Better. Yes, better. Thirteen targets his last two games. Touchdown to one of them. He's been more involved, and you know, I, I, again, it's the only problem with the Steelers is how many times is Ben going to throw? Because in the two of the last three games, when they've been just beating opponents badly, um, he's been thirty-two pass attempts or less. So you have all these guys that need to get some semblance of targets. But I think Ebron, based on his position, you take a chance on him. Do we need to say anything else about Ezekiel Elliott? How about Zeke or? I'm going to go with some wide receivers that you may have picked up off waivers at some point this year. Zeke or Justin Jefferson? Still Zeke. Zeke, as of now, I think it'll stay that way. Robbie Anderson. Anderson. Robbie, yeah. And that's already. That's how I have it already. Cole Beasley. go down from here for Zeke. Cole Beasley or Zeke? In PPR, I think I can make the case for Beasley over Zeke. Still Zeke. I got to tell you, to me, I just feel like Zeke needs to catch the ball, and maybe he will. That's such a huge thing. I, I don't think any of us really see him having a ton of success running. So how many passes is he going to catch? He's it been non-existent the last two games, but with Dak, he's a machine. He's had one catch three of his past four games. It's weird. It's weird how uncreative the Cowboys are. Like, Oh, no, you can't say like that. They, tried, they, they, they threw the week. kitchen sink last week. I guess, I guess. Dalton Schultz is a sit. He is outside the top 15. And the Steelers DST, Would you, let's say you had a six-point-per-passing touchdown league. Uh, no, f- four-point-per-passing touchdown league. And, like, normal defensive scoring. Would you start the Steelers DST or Drew Locke? <laughs> the Steelers DST. In a mega crazy super flex spot. <laughs> yeah. You should, yeah, I think I'd go with the Steelers DST. If you could start a quarterback in a super flex spot, you should be able to start any position in a super flex spot. 
right? I mean, quarterbacks. Well, I mean, you can. All right, I'll get Heath on the phone. I'll let him know this Azer take, and he can add it to <laughs> thread. Well, speaking of Drew Locke, Denver is at Atlanta. And Drew Locke is just outside the top 15. He's like 16, 17 in the rankings. And every team except for Carolina has thrown for 313 or more yards against Atlanta. Every quarterback except the last two has scored 24 or more fantasy points. The last two would be Stafford and Bridgewater. Stafford had a really good game. He just didn't get that second touchdown. So if you are desperate, you start Drew Locke. Drew Brees over Drew Locke, right? Yes. Yeah, but it's close. It is close. Um, Jamie has Breeze, Locke, Foles, Bridgewater in his rankings. Dave has... Dave, I clicked a button on the rankings page and lost your rankings. Dave has Locke... Um, no. Uh, no who, who, Bridgewater, Bridgewater, Locke, Cousins. All after Breeze. Breeze, Cam, yeah. Bridgewater, Locke, Cousins. Yep. Oh, Locke or Cam? is You guys both have Cam ahead of Locke. That would have been a good one. Okay. Yeah, I'll take Cam. I think Cam has a good game this week. Now you know. We're assuming that Philip Lindsay's going to play. He was limited in practice. So what are we doing with the Denver running backs? Try to avoid them. If you, um, if you have to start one in non-PPR, it's Lindsay. If you have to start one in full PPR, it's it's Gordon. I would still start Gordon in both because he's still playing more. Last week was the first time that they played a full game together uh, all season. And it was still 55%, 45% playing time in favor of Gordon. Lindsay should get more work. It, It goes without saying. But the fact that he's hurt again, I know he's practicing, but still, like, he just can't stay healthy. It's unfortunate. I mean, his yards per carry the last three games that he's played have been fantastic. He should be their leading running downs guy. Uh, but until we see it, you got to still stick with Gordon. And by the way, the Falcons' run defense since Dan Quinn got fired has been really, really good. They've only allowed one touchdown. They've held opposing running backs to less than 80 total yards in those three games. Yes, yeah, pretty good. They are not good against running backs in the passing game, but even that has gotten better. Mike Davis, yeah. one catch for 11 yards. DeAndre Swift, four catches for 21 yards. Alexander Madison, one catch for four yards. Uh, you know, so they've got they've done better there over the last three games. Denver wide receivers. This is the Falcons. They give up the most fantasy points. No, the third most fantasy points to wide receivers. In six out of eight games, they've given up 80 yards or a touchdown or both. Two multiple wide receivers in six out of eight games. So you you guys said, I think you said you like Patrick better than Judy if both play. No, I like Judy better like than Judy Patrick, better? but it's, I'll it's, take Patrick. it's close. How do they compare to the Steelers guys? Behind. You still take the upside of the Steelers guys against the Cowboys. Oh, I could be talked into Patrick ahead of Deontay Johnson for sure. You're so interesting that you're off Deontay Johnson. I mean, he had he did have double-digit targets in three of his four healthy games. I know, I know, but he kept he keeps getting beat up and I think that if there was ever a game where and Jamie's talked about this where the Steelers won't have to throw a ton, this would be it. I just don't know why He's a flex. Like No, 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 I, no. why? I don't I'm sorry. Him as Dave. Like a sleeper and a flex. Why is it Johnson instead of like say Claypool that you're so down on? Claypool's not that much higher up than than Johnson, but I just think Claypool if he's healthy and Johnson isn't quite at 100%, and they're all getting limited targets. We've seen Claypool do well on limited targets before. Okay, that's a good point. And he's also, they designed things for him inside the 10-yard line for Claypool. Again, it could be Deontay Johnson's week. It could be Juju's week. It could be Claypool's week. It's just, this is going to be until there's a clear definition of, this is the guy that's going to lead them in targets, and that's the thing you hang your hat on. And maybe it is Deontay Johnson, but since Johnson's been banged up, he just hasn't been the same consistent guy. So 
in a game where they're probably not going to throw much, like Dave just said, the big play potential right now favors Chase Claypool. So I'll take my chances with Claypool over the other two. But I think all three guys are still in play. And I think the reason they're better than the Broncos duo is, first off, what Noah Fan is doing. I mean, his 16 targets the last two weeks, so he's going to be a factor here. Uh, tight end is an easy position to attack the Falcons against based on what they've done all season. Um, you still have Alberto getting some targets last week, not the same, but he's a red zone threat. And I think Judy is trending in the right direction. That's why I take him over Patrick. You know, the fact that he had the 10 targets last week is something I think they're going to continue to build on. Plus you have Hamler back too. You know, Patrick was doing this without Fant and Hamler on the field. I just, I go back to thinking of how Locke likes going downfield. And we saw that in the fourth quarter last week, that gunslinger mentality. And Patrick has been the best outside receiver for Denver. Um, really since Corlin Sutton got hurt. But he didn't do a lot of that with Drew Locke though. He didn't, but I, it's just, it's, it's combining, it's the Venn diagram. I've got Drew Locke's style of play and his willingness to take a chance with the football and Tim Patrick being the best downfield threat that the Broncos can say they have right now. And Judy's good and you're right. He's trending in the right direction. I love that he had 10 targets last week. He's going to break out real soon. And maybe, maybe this is the week for him. I mean, the matchup's bright for it. And we'll see if Patrick ends up not even playing, then I'd be way more interested in Judy. Yeah. But also, I, like, I, I Judy, still I still would favor Patrick. Judy has one touchdown catch this year. It was a total fluke against the Jets. Total fluke. And he's caught forty nine percent of his targets. So he's including forty percent. Yeah. Last right. Week. That's the thing we keep saying. He had ten targets. He had four catches. Not the best game. Yeah. I don't know how many of those targets were uncatchable. Well, that's the other thing. It's not a good passing offense. Oh, this isn't a must-start Jerry Judy conversation. This is who's the best Broncos wide receiver right now. For me, it's Judy. And so if you're looking at a number three receiver that you want to take a chance on, this is the time to do so. All right, Noah Fant or Hayden Hurst? Fant. I think I have Hurst ranked higher. Much better matchup. Targets are in his favor. Love what Noah Fant's starting to do. I mean, you you want to talk about getting somebody now before you miss out. This is the guy to do it. Okay, Mm -hmm. and then Todd Gurley. Starter sit Todd Gurley. I would love to sit Todd Gurley. <laughs> if he doesn't uh, score, you're screwed. Right, right, right. But what does he do? Pretty much every single week, scores. Gurley or Zeke? Takes a touchdown away from Matt Ryan. Takes a touchdown away from Julio Jones. Gurley or Zeke? Gurley. Gurley by default. <laughs> okay. And uh, that's it. Hayden Hurst is a top 12 tight end. It's been pretty consistent. Six or more targets in four of his last five games. 51 or more yards in four of his last five games. Finally, Miami is at Arizona. Stat of the game, Jordan Howard. Let's say he's your starting running back. Last year, he oh, had God. seven games. He had seven games with double-digit carries. He scored nine or more non-PPR points in five of those seven games. He's not as bad as he was earlier this year. He was playing almost exclusively near the goal line. That does not help your yards per carry. Um, he's not good. We know that. But if he gets the starting job and he gets 13 or more carries, like, he's probably going to have an okay game. But I'm be not, a flex. Yeah, right, right. Not, yeah, that's okay. He's Jordan Howard. Okay, so the Dolphins, is it just like sit all, start, start all, sit all? Cardinals. Start all Cardinals. Sit I all. mean, look, look, most people can't afford to sit Devontae Parker, especially in three-receiver leagues. So he's, he's still in the starting conversation. But, again, you have a quarterback that just threw 22 times and had little success in the 22 attempts that he had, aside from the red zone throw to Devontae Parker. So... How many pass attempts is Tua going to have? 35, 40? You know, the more pass attempts, the more targets, the more targets, the better chance. It's simple math, but he's probably going to see Patrick Peterson the most. 
of the Dolphins guys. So you have tough comp cover. This is the type of receiver that Patrick Peterson tends to do better against the bigger physical guys. And so I think Devontae Parker is a number three receiver. You know, it's just how you have to approach it until you see something from Tua to him on a more consistent basis. It's a huge risk, though, because we just I don't think we got many answers for Tua last week other than no answers. No, he barely I think threw. The, the, the one thing that we can say definitively is that he's not quite at the level of Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow. Or Ryan Fitzpatrick. 22. <laughs> yeah, okay, that's fine too. And so I have a hard time finding the confidence and the reasons to start Devontae Parker. Right, but it's still so first game. Into it. First game, it's against the best defensive lineman in football who can be a game wrecker, as we saw, and still see on a week-to-week basis. The Cardinals don't have that type of guy, especially with Chandler Jones not there. So he's going to have more time to throw. This is going to be a more up-and-down game because I don't think the Dolphins are going to slow down the Cardinals' offense to the level of, you know, this is going to be a, a grinded-out, slow-it-down type of game from the Miami side of things. They just lost their running back, who's been arguably their best player. And so now the game falls onto his shoulders more so. So I think Parker is okay, but if there's – a case to be made against him, it's pretty easy to do that as opposed to make a case for him. Would you start Melvin Gordon or Devontae Parker? I'd start Melvin Gordon. I would too. Would you start Le'Veon Bell or Devontae Parker? Parker. Parker. How about Giants starting running back or Parker? Parker. Parker. Like Parker, just to compare him to the receivers. So like he's better than the Dallas guys because you just know what the Dallas guys have been and what they probably will be against Pittsburgh. He's behind the Steelers guys because of what the potential upside is for the Steelers guys going against the Dallas defense. So like he falls in the middle of those caliber of guys. Like I, and just in this game, I would start Christian Kirk over Devontae Park. All right. I want to talk to everybody about the the giant uh, Cowboys giant. What the hell am I talking about? The Dolphins defense here because they are giving up the fewest points per game, but they're 20th in yards per game. So they're probably, they're not the best defense. However, they're second in takeaways. They get a lot of turnovers, and they also have the fourth highest blitz percentage in the NFL. What they have right now is reading about this. This is not my observation. This is what I was reading, and some statistics back it up. Uh, they have great coverage. Uh, I know they have Byron Jones and Xavier Howard, but they're also getting great play from Eric Rowe at cornerback, Bobby McCain. Mm-hmm. Their coverage has been really good in the secondary. It's allowing them to blitz more and play man-to-man coverage, or you know, so so that's what's so successful for them. And um, I guess you know, Jamie's just riding the momentum with Christian Kirk. Got him as a number two receiver. Dave, do you also agree? Christian Kirk got to start him. Number two receiver. Yeah. Okay. I do, and it's also they're taking on a running quarterback, and I think that that helps Arizona's offense as well. Yeah, I mean that style can move out of the pocket. You look, you just you look at Jared Goff last week, and his offensive line stunk, and he wasn't really moving around, and he looked like he was scared for his life. And I think Brian Flores knew that that's how he was going to play because he helped coordinate the defensive game plan to take down Jared Goff in the Super Bowl. So now he's got a completely different type of matchup against Kyler Murray. The secondary is going to have to spend a little more time sticking to their receivers. That's going to be tough to do, especially in the case of Kirk, because he's the vertical threat for Arizona. So I, I'm not too I'm not as worried about oh the Dolphins are going to fly into Arizona and shut them down. I think it's a much harder task than what we had for them. the closest comparison you can make is when they played Russell Wilson because they're similar style of quarterbacks. You know, guys that move can extend plays. Obviously, Russell doesn't escape the pocket to run the same way that Kyler does, but Wilson beat them up for three sixty and two. Yeah, and, and Cam it, ran well against them. And well, yes. Cam ran. I mean, Cam just ran. Forget about it. you know. I'm talking about the passing aspect of things. You know, All right. so can't. Cam is not wasn't throwing the same way, but you know Josh Allen against Miami again earlier in the season, but four fifteen and four, 
you know, so, but Russell's the most recent comparison because at that point, the Dolphins defense was getting healthy. All right, last thing. I just want Jacob Gibbs is going to join me on FFT and five. We're going to have a bonus episode on Saturday. It's a props episode. He's going to give you some cool stats. One of the stats he's going to give is about how good, well, the Cardinals, they're in shotgun more than any team in the NFL. And the, this is a bad matchup for the Dolphins. The Dolphins are really bad against the shotgun. No team has allowed a higher opponent rushing success rate out of the shotgun than the Miami Dolphins. This is really about Chase Edmonds. He's a top eight running back in the rankings. Please stay away, Kenyon Drake. Stay away. But yes. Chase Edmonds, the Dolphins are... are. We'll get into the details with Jacob on FFT and 5. This is a terrible matchup for the Dolphins' run defense. Edmonds could be absolutely enormous in this game. Start him He's over been- almost anyone. Go ahead, Jamie. Let's finish up. Quick last Yeah, thought. I mean, he's, he's the star of the week. You know, so I, I love the setup for him because you go back to last year, he had four games with just seven total touches, only seven. <laughs> and in three of those, he hit 13 or more PPR points. He's so explosive. And then this year, he's had four games, um, um, yeah, four games with at least eight total touches. And he's hit 12 or more PPR points in all of them. So in just minimal work, love he's it. been dynamic. That's Drake, it for today's show. Drake in five of seven games has hit 18 or more touches. And so if he gets that workload, he's going to be amazing. That's it for today's show. Okay, cool. That's really it. uh, We're done for today. Thank you so much. Um, We'll talk to you on uh, the Mailbag Show on Saturday. Make sure you're listening to FFT in five. Make sure you're watching CBS Sports HQ. For Dave and Jamie, I'm Adam. Have a great weekend, everybody. Good luck in week nine. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.